Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Sidebar with Cindy. On Kaya FM 95.9. Hi, FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Welcome to another week of Cyborg Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Swearfan Sale. And this evening, we're talking about discussing sex with your children. What is your experience when you discuss sex with your kids? Medical issues, sex and family, finance, parenting and emotional development. Sidebar with Cindy. Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Kaya FM 95.9, home of the Afropolitan. Sidebar Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Swearfan Sale. And we start off this week with a, an important topic. And we're asking, you know, what is your experience discussing sex with your children? We know that our kids have access to the internet. They have access to their friends that might know more things than they do. And as a result, children are, are, are finding out about sex, you know, earlier. And in ways that may not always be pleasing to you as a parent or a caregiver. So I want to know from you tonight, what is your experience discussing sex with your children? Are you discussing sex with your children? And, you know, I started doing the sex talk um, quite early. So my, my mantra is, if you haven't done it by the age of eight, then it's too late. So I've had the talk with my kids, age appropriate talk. And as they grow older, we, you know, we keep refreshing the talk. And one of the first things that I did was to make sure that my children understood, um, you know, the terms of, of, of the genitals So there were no nicknames For penis or vagina We called it what it is It's a penis or it's a vagina And even that is difficult For, for, for some parents or caregivers So this is what we're discussing tonight um, um, On Kaya FM And I'm joined by um, Claudia Abelheim and she's my guest this evening. Claudia is an educational psychologist from the Family Life Center. She's also a mom. So she'll be sharing some personal and professional um, insights. And uh, yeah, I hope we have a robust con- conversation about this very difficult topic. We'll be taking your calls on 86 You can SMS us on 36959. And the hashtags to use on, on, on social media are Sidebot Cindy and Kaya FM Talk. So thank you so much, Claudia Abelheim, for, for joining us um, on the show. I'm glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very glad to be here. So many parents, Claudia, are uncomfortable or afraid of speaking to their kids um, about sex. Um, why is that? Oh, for so many reasons. Um, I think that it's hard for parents to see their children as sexual beings. You know, it's hard to imagine that their little innocent angels are going to ever be a person that's going to need this information, number one. Mm. Um, And I think that often parents have their own kind of unresolved, I guess, issues around the topic that maybe they haven't dealt with or even the way in which their parents, you know, raise the issue in their home Mm. um, will impact the way that they see it with their kids. So it's a whole host of reasons, but... It all comes down to the fact that it's often very difficult for parents to have these conversations. And, you know, what is your view on at what age um, the sex talk should start? Well, I love what you said. I, I fully agree with you. Um, the earlier, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And you use the term age appropriate, and that's really what it's all about. It's, you know, obviously not talking to your three-year-old about what you would discuss with a 16-year-old, but it's really understanding that this isn't a once-off conversation. It, it's something that has to happen continuously and it has to mm. start when they are little and 
again, exactly as you had said, I have such a smile on my face. It's, <laughs> it starts with using the correct terms. It yeah. starts with calling a penis a penis and a vagina a vagina, and that's where it begins. And that, that conversation develops and grows as the child grows. Mm. But it, it needs to start as soon as it can, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And what I also find is that if you've left the conversation to, um, you know, the, the teen years, your child has already heard stuff or seen stuff or done stuff. And now when you come and try and broach the subject, you're embarrassing them, exactly. you're embarrassing yourself, exactly. and they shut off. And, and, exactly. yeah. And my whole thing, Claudia, is that I never want to be the last person to find out if, um, you know, something has happened to one of my kids or they've been involved in something, you know, exactly. sexual and so on. I want to be their first port of exactly. call, whatever it is. And we, and we say this to our kids, I say this to my kids all the time that I don't care what the scenario is. Mm-hmm. I must know first. Mm-hmm. And if you can't tell me, then there's a, you know, we have a list of people in mm. order of, 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 mm. of importance of mm. who they can go and discuss stuff with. And oh then God. that person will you, come and tell me. I want to give you the gold star award. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly it. Um, that's all really as parents you can hope for. You know, when I talk to parents, particularly parents of teenagers or parents of tweens whose kids are about to enter that, that stage, your kids are going to misbehave. They're going to make mistakes. It's, mm-hmm. it's really their job when they're teenagers to do that, those things. So what we really, what we really want is to have a relationship with our teens that when they do make a mistake, when they do mess up, they feel that they're able to come and talk to us. Mm. That's that very is, important. That is the kind of relationship you want to have with your child. Then that's only going to happen if you start laying those foundations when they're young. Mm. You know, you can't really expect all of a sudden when your child's 18 to come talk to you about their, you know, romantic relationship if you haven't been talking to them for 18 years. Yeah. Very challenging. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Sidepod Cindy with me, Dr. Cindy Swift and Sale, and I'm chatting to educational psychologist um, Claudia Abelheim, and we're speaking about um, discussing sex with your children. You know, as a parent, as a caregiver, whether you're a granny or an aunt or an uncle, you know, or a, you know, an older brother or an older sister. Um, you know, what have you done to make sure? that um, the kids in your life know about sex and it's not an easy conversation to have it's not a comfortable conversation to have and really what Claudia and I have been saying you know since the show started is that the earlier you can start with the conversation the better and um, if you can use the correct anatomical terms that's even better so you know the nicknames for the penis and the vagina have to fall away quite quickly I think a four-year-old you can still use those nicknames with a four-year-old but as soon as a child you know understands what is what and they can understand that they have they have something that's different from yours then you need to use the correct terms sorry I need to interrupt Mm. they must use the proper name from the beginning okay there's no you know what particularly and it's it's not a nice thing to bring up but it's not something that we can ignore Um, the importance of using the correct terms is particularly vital if there is ever a case of abuse Mm. if the child isn't using the correct terms it can really impact if it, if it ever, you know, goes to court, if there's ever a mm. case that's brought up. There are problems or there can be problems if they're not using the correct terms, and that's often what abusers do. Um, they will use different words so that the child can't then go and report them. Okay, no, then I, you know, that's, so, thank you for that correction. From, yeah, so, and, and I know it's hard. I mean, you said I'm a mom, I've got a little baby, and I'm already, I'm like, 
it's hard when they're little. You kind of want to use the cutesy words, you know? Mm. Um, but you kind of do with other part, body parts when they're little. You say, oh, put your little leggy into the <laughs> Exactly. The or, like, or let me pinch your little nosy or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just kind of trying to make it like cute because the child's so cute. Mm. But from a abuse point of view, it's actually very, very important that they use the correct term. So you've got to start with that as you know, from day one. No, that yeah, point taken and that's very, very important. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Claudia, is that, um, you know, there is a fear that if you speak about um, sex with your kids, mm. especially the younger kids that don't really have mm. filters and, and, and don't know when to discuss topics, mm. especially when there are visitors around, that mm. your kids might start speaking about penises and vaginas when, when there's visitors. So what's your take on that? Look, it is a fear. Um, and sometimes I think there is basis for it. But I think sometimes you've got to ask yourself what's the less of two evils, you know? So maybe you have visitors and suddenly your child starts blurting something out and it might be a little bit embarrassing, but the alternative is worse. So, and for me, if I went to a house and a child started talking about a penis or a vagina, I would be like, yes, well done, parents. <laughs> but that's because of job. your background, Claudia. Yeah, but the parents need to own that and it's not something that they be embarrassed about. They should actually be proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's a good thing if their children can talk about that. It, it shows that they are having conversations, that they bringing that into their awareness and into their consciousness and I think that's something to be proud of. It's not something to be embarrassed about and the fact that it is something to be embarrassed about is part of this problem. Mm. Okay. And, you know, how do you think our own issues with sex um, hinder us as parents and caregivers um, in communicating with our children? I think in a very big way. Um, One of the very first things that I tell parents when I'm talking to them about this is that if you have any anything that's unresolved around your own sexual experiences, your own puberty, your own sexuality, whatever it may be. I mean, it's a, it is, it's a, it's a sensitive topic and very sadly many people do have, um, you know, negative kind of experiences or negative memories or mm. horrible things that happened around these things and it, ca- it really can. It can be something that you you know, put onto your child, which really is the last thing you want to do. Mm. So it's very important to make sure that if that does exist, you go for counseling or, you know, within yourself or your partner or whoever it may be that you sort that stuff out because you don't want now all of a sudden, you don't want your child to come and start asking you questions or start having talks with you that start triggering those memories or those those issues that haven't been resolved. And it's a very big thing. It's a very, very important thing. As I said, it's one of the first things that I say. You've got to sort out your own stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a voice of Claudia Abelheim from the Family Life Center. She's an educational psychologist. And me speaking about sex and we're speaking about discussing sex with children, we're taking your calls on 86 The hashtags to use on social media are Sidebar Cindy and um, Kaya FM Talk. Claudia, you know, one of the other challenges is that obviously when you, when you start the sex talk with your children, you can expect them to ask you questions. And I mean, I remember when, you know, my kids listening to the sex talk and their eyes growing wider and wider. And I knew that the question was coming, you know. And and then, then obviously my daughter asks me, so did you and Papa, you know, and I, I could 
could just see where this was going. And yeah. I had to like, I had to just, you know, keep my cool, maintain a straight face and explain uh-huh. that, yes, your dad and I got together, uh-huh. penis and vagina and so on. Uh-huh. But some people are not ready for that. They're not ready for that level of disclosure. You mean they're not ready to disclose that to their children? Hmm. Well, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with having the conversation. I mean, if you're going to be talking to your children about how babies are made, chances are your child's going to make that connection. And you'll have to answer all the questions that come with yeah, that connection. you've got to answer all the questions. And again, I bring it back to the thing of, you know, looking at, okay, it's embarrassing, we're not ready for this level of disclosure, but why? Why is it embarrassing? Mm. Um, this is, it's, it's human, it's people, it's, it's beautiful, actually. What, mm. what, why do we find it embarrassing um, to disclose that to our kids when we're having this conversation? Yeah. Okay. So we're taking calls, Claudia, on 86 0059 I think you're going to have lots of questions to answer. We have Anna. Um, Anna, welcome to Sidebot Cindy. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm all right, thank you. Um, very interesting topic and one that's um, a bit of a challenge for me, being a single parent mm. to two boys. I have a 16-year-old and a 8-year-old. And I think um, I'd like to just maybe chat about an incident that happened earlier this year mm. with my 8-year-old at school where he was accused of uh, sorry he was accused of attempted rape actually mm-hmm. and um, when when I tried to find out because I have never really had a talk to him about sex in fact both of them even my 16 year old and I think our African background also has a lot to do with how we talk to our children about sex. Mm. So the challenge that I had was that now he, he, he's he been exposed to this talk at that level and it's been stigmatized and I, I still don't know how to have the conversation with him, you know, about sex and, I mean, he's eight and they were playing and we later discovered, or I later discovered, that the school had actually done him hard because they were playing cops and robbers and he was apparently frisking the girl child. So they they said he was sexually harassing her because he had wanted her to, he had said that she must undress so he can search, he search can her search or something. Yes. So I, I still don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still a bit wrestled mentally as to how do I address it with him but secondly how do I address it with my teenager as well because my own parents I mean I'm 40 now my own parents have never discussed sex with me at all Mm. so whatever I know about sex is either self-taught or from school or from TV and, and that you know reading because I read a lot but that's as far as my sex education goes I think I know a lot but 
that's how it goes. I've never today had, to date had with your parents. that talk with my own parents and I still live with my mom. So how do I then have this conversation with my own children when I've never had it? And you know, Anna, your your story in terms of not having had the sex talk from your parents or, or caregivers is the story of many of us. So a lot of us found out things from books that we found or from friends and so on. And this is really why we're having this conversation to make sure that our kids, it's different for our kids. But I'm going to ask um, Uklode Abelham to respond to your, to, your, to your concerns about your eight-year-old and your 16-year-old. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you very much. Okay, so Claudia, um, you know, Anna is concerned about her eight-year-old and what happened at school and also mm-hmm. about, you know, discussing everything with, with both of the kids. Mm. Um, so Anna, firstly, Shane, I could hear that that was obviously quite a difficult experience with you with your eight-year-old. It's, it's a really horrible thing for you to have to go through with you as a mom and also for him. I mean, it sounds like he was just playing a game and it got mm. completely misconstrued. But what I think is quite helpful about the situation is to take it and use it as what we call a teachable moment. So, you know, here's a topic that's really tough for you. It's hard for you to have these conversations, which is understandable. It wasn't modeled for you. You never had them. Um, But now you've got almost an opening. So it's an opportunity to sit down with him and talk about what happened and explain to him, you know, maybe why they thought what, that it was, I don't know, harassment or um, whatever words they used. Mm. And it can start a conversation around consent and body privacy and body awareness. And, you know, that, that's actually where it should be starting at that age, um, which is what we talk to kids about. You know, you start talking about your body and your private parts and mm. somebody else's body and their private parts and the fact that you can't touch anybody else's and they can't touch yours. Um, and that's really where you can start that conversation, and it's quite a nice, it's quite a nice in, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. You can take this whole experience and use it as a way to start having the conversation with him. So does that make sense? No, it does make sense, Claudia, because they've had the the incident has happened. They can't undo that. Yeah, and they, it's a bit of a crisis, and this is the the perfect moment to step in and make a difference for the sixteen year old and for the eight year old and for and for um you know the mommy and the granny as well. Yeah, and I think for the sixteen year old, it's also okay. You know, and that's what I say to parents: it's okay to be human in front of your kids. Mm. So to sit him down and say, "Look, my boy." I know we've never discussed this and I know that maybe it's so embarrassing for you and it's a little bit embarrassing for me and it's hard for me because my parents never spoke to me about it but I want it to be different for us. You know, let's talk about it. Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? Mm. Um, are you, you know, are you having sexual experiences? It's just, it's just a matter of sitting them down and, and really acknowledging the fact that yes, this is hard the hard doesn't mean that we can't do it. True. And is there a way that the school could have handled the situation differently, Claudia? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the school, you know, they jumped in and these kids were just playing, you know, cops and robbers or whatever it is. Um, it can be quite damaging to a child to be, you know, accused of rape when all he was doing, he thought he was just playing cops and robbers. Mm. But I think just as I'm saying for Anna to use it as a teachable moment in her home, the school could take it and use it as a teachable moment for the whole grade. Yeah. They could have taken them all in and explained what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And it's absolutely 
fine for boys and girls to be playing cops and robbers, but this is why we don't ask somebody to take their clothes off and this is why we don't ask somebody to lie down or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. The school could have used that as a teachable moment themselves instead of, you know, hauling in one little boy and accusing him of rape. I mean, that's really... We're discussing sex and children and, you know, have you had the discussion around sex um, with your kids? I'm chatting to Claudia Abelheim, educational psychologist from the Family Life Centre. She's a mom and she's a professional and she has experience with um, chatting to kids about sex. We're taking your calls. 86 959 Raymond, welcome to the show and thank you for holding. Good evening, Cindy. How are you? Good, thank you. Yes, I'm very much confused. You know, this topic is very, very, very much sensitive. You know, I've got a, st- a stepdaughter, Cindy. She's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And I didn't teach her anything about sex, or her mother didn't either teach her anything about sex. She knows absolutely everything about sex mm. at the age of 10. Are you there? Yes, 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 I am, Raymond. Yeah. yeah. You know what she did? Um, normally, uh, we don't sleep with her because we used to sleep with her with her in the bedroom. You know, when it's time to go to uh, get her on the, on the N3. And when, as soon as she can hear that something is moving up on the bird, she will just wake up. And then I become so embarrassed. Now, recently, I went with her to the clinic. When we went together to the clinic, she came up with the condoms. And she gave one to her mom, and one to one, uh, one pipe to her mom, and one pipe for me. And that we must use those condoms. Then I asked her, why should you use the condoms? said, no, mommy mustn't get pregnant. Now, how do I use the condoms? Now, she showed me the drawings up on the, on the, on the, uh, on the, on, the, on the cover yes. on the condoms on the, on the condoms then I said how, now how did this work but no your face my penis no she just said plainly your penis must be strong then you must penetrate mommy and mommy must use she must also protect, uh, prevent mm-hmm. that's number one number two sometimes when you just relax in the bed you know what she'll do she'll come and check us if you sleep in bed she'll put a pillowcase in the middle that me and her mom must get closer to each other <laughs> <laughs> and the last and the last time what she did now she threw the condoms my condoms and her mom's condoms right now I need a younger sister then I said okay now a younger sister how, I mean you must go to the hospital and buy a younger sister she said no you and mommy must have sex then a baby will come out then how do you make a baby no you daddy must put your sperms into mommy's vagina you understand that and when I asked where did you learn all this from no, she doesn't tell at the age of 10. Well, you know that's what... How, that's how intelligent she is, and she can bath herself. Mm. And she tells me directly, Daddy, you mustn't touch me on my private part. Mm. She, knows, she knows that uh, the child line number, mm. 0800 I didn't even know the number, but she knows it by heart at the age of 10. Raymond, you are, yeah. you are blessed. I, I, I tell you, oh, you, you are so blessed I'm, to have a daughter. So I, I, like I'm, very much, I'm very much careful. Whatever things you do in front of her, yeah. you're very, 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 very much careful. She loves watching this, I would call this our perfect wedding. You know, when it comes to, uh, you know, you may not kiss the bride. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, she look at me and look at the mom. No, no, she's not kissing each other. No, no well, what good reason? No, you're in love. You must teach one another. You know what I'm saying? No, and I'll, if, I'll, they start, if they start kissing on TV, she will make a thing that she's pulling her eyes. Then, bam, once the ends are off, her eyes. Then I'll ask her, who said no, you must take your eyes off? I said, no, I've seen them. I know they're romantic each other. And they're going to get, you now 
sexually active because I get sexually active at the age of 10. Yeah, no. Thank you so much for that call, Raymond. Claudia, um, Raymond reanimated about his his ten year old daughter, and mm. I think he's blessed. I think he's lucky to have a daughter that is so Absolutely. open and so eloquent Absolutely. about about everything to do with sex. Wonderful, it's wonderful. That's what we all want. She, she knows that she's talking about. She's got the correct information. She's giving them lessons. She's telling them that they must use protection if they don't want to have another baby. I mean, she knows. That's why she knows the trauma number of her heart is wonderful. I don't know who's teaching her, but they're doing a very good job. No, they really are. We have another call. Um, we have Uli calling us on 086 Cindy. Hi, Dr. Cindy. How are you? Good, thank you. I'm right, thank you. Um, so I've got a four-year-old, and recently they've. Uh, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and recently I noticed my four-year-old is playing house a lot, mm-hmm. and this house involves uh, sleeping, and there's a mommy, and there's a daddy, or there's a sister, and a brother, and I think I'm. Really uncomfortable with it, and now I'm wondering whether or not at school maybe this sort of role play is then happening. And I don't know if I should be worried that maybe I don't know something is going on at school, or I'm I'm very conflicted. Okay, so I, and I'm I'm a bit worried that maybe there's something that she's exposed to because at home um, she's mostly watching cartoons. I regulate a lot um, what they watch on television. So grown-up TV, they hardly see, but um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. Okay, so what are you, What what's, so what's making you uncomfortable? What has she done that makes you uneasy? Then I'll ask, I'll ask Claudia Abelheim to, 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 to respond further. I think the 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 mommy and daddy and then there's always sleeping involved. And now I'm wondering how far does it really go in school? And when I then ask her what's happening, and then she was like, nothing, mommy, as if you know, as if she's also maybe embarrassed or caught or so. I'm not really sure what's going on. And if maybe she is this a cue to start having these conversations? Mm. Okay, so I'll ask Claudia Abelham to respond, and then she can, you know, give you tips on 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 how to get more information out of your daughter without, you know, getting her to clam up. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Claudia, um, Olivu has a concern about her four-year-old that's obviously been playing housey housey somewhere, either at school or maybe, you know, at home. So, how would you advise yeah. her? Yeah. Um, so I would think. You know, to a large degree, it's quite appropriate for a four-year-old girl to start playing housey-housey, mommy-mommy, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really when they start to engage in, you know, imaginative play, and they're doing dress-ups, and they're doing role-play, and it's, it really is quite appropriate for that age. Um, and from what I'm hearing, I don't hear anything that's too concerning, and if I'm, I'm not sure if I'm missing something, but I think that what she has said about using this as the time to start having a conversation is exactly spot on. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I use that as a gauge. When you see your children start being interested in it, that's when you start talking about it. So if she thinks that this is her daughter starting to, you know, 
understand on some level that mommy and daddy sleep together and they sleep in the same bed and maybe that's what's worrying her is to start asking questions and it might be even be you know by engaging with her in the play so maybe she could ask if she could play with her and and try and find out that way you know what are they doing and what do they do when they go to sleep and if she's playing if she's in the game it won't look as much it won't look like an interrogation it will just look like she's you know part of part of the play um and through those questions she can then start to get an idea of how much you know this is always important for parents when you want to have this conversation you know always find out what your kids know first um if they come and ask you a question or if you want them to talk to them really your first point of call is, is to try and find out what they know before oh. you start telling them okay and, it, and, then, and and if she does find out that um there's been some you know, inappropriate behaviour, then what? What's in, you know, what, what does she do then? Well, then she's got to find out, you know, where this was, where it happened, where was she exposed? Was it at school? Was it at a friend's house? Um, and then she's, you know, it's hard to say because depending on, on what, the, whatever, depending on what this thing was that she was exposed to, it, it might mean that maybe she needs a bit of play therapy just to help her, you know, unpack what she's seen. Or, okay help her understand what she's seen. Uh, maybe the mum could go see someone who can help her understand whatever it is that happened. She may want to address it if it was at school. She might want to address it with the teacher. If it was at a friend, maybe she'd address it with the friend's mum. It, it, it's, it's hard to say without knowing the exact the details, but there, there definitely would be further steps she would take if if something had happened. Okay, great stuff. No, thank you for that, Claudia Abelheim. So going to Twitter, I'll read a few tweets. So Phoebe Masego says, Hi, Dr. S. My parents never sat me down either. My mom called my sister when she saw condoms in my room. My sister called me and asked me if I was ready to have a baby. And that was the end of the sex talk. Um, and that was Phoebe's experience. Unom Tandazo says, Hi, doctor. My parents never spoke to me about sex. They only had the conversation with me when I was 19. Luckily, I was not a fast teenager. Times are changing. I'm hoping to do things differently um, with my kids. And then Eva says the correct terms for penis and vagina in our own African languages um, sounds too extreme. And 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 yeah, you know, Claudia. Sometimes you know when you know when you have to use the correct anatomical terms in our you know African languages, it can sound really harsh, if you know, for lack of a better word. Um, but it, but parents still need to do it. I mean, they still need to call a penis a penis, a vagina a vagina in whatever language it is. It's just what it is. It's just about coming to terms with those words. I mean, I, also, I always say to parents, if you have to stand in front of a mirror saying it 20 times or however many times every night until it rolls off your tongue, mm. then that's what you must do. Um, whatever the word is, in whatever language, it's so important to be doing it that you've got to become comfortable with it. That's true. And, and Claudia, when, you know, as an education psychologist and you, you've obviously dealt with kids that, that have been um, um, sexually assaulted, um, what, what, what's the counselling, what does the counselling entail, you know, when, you, when you're confronted, you know, with a, by a child like that? Marks have, so say for example, marks have dropped, the child's behaviour has changed, you do play therapy, then it emerges that mm-hmm. there's, there's been an incident, whether it's at home or at school or, or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, is the, what are the like three most important things that need to happen for that child in terms of counselling? So firstly, you have to make sure that the child is safe. Um, so you have to make sure that the abuse isn't ongoing. Um, you do, 
depending, you know, like as you said, if it happened at school, we need to, you know, ensure that if, you know, if it was a once-off or if it's continuous, same with at home, if it was a once-off or if it's continuous. Um, and then the appropriate, like, legal steps have to be taken as a very specific um, legal process that needs to be followed in terms of reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it's been disclosed, it has to be reported to the appropriate people. That we have to make sure that the child is safe. So, if that means removing her from him or her from home, or you know, that's quite an extreme case. But if that has, has to happen, that has to happen. And then moving forward, it's about really helping the child deal with the trauma. Again, it would it would depend on how old the child is, but you'd have to work really hard with the child to work to work through the you know, the emotions that come with abuse. There's there's often a lot of shame, there's a lot of guilt, um, and we want to work through that like immediately so they don't carry that with them into their adult relationship. And at school, um, you know, you would you'd want to disclose to the teacher Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the principal, but what about um, the rest of the the, the, the classmates? That that's not necessary, right? The rest of the class of the kids. Well, um, so say something happened at school. There's been an incident at school, and then the principal finds out, the teacher finds out. There's a you know there's an issue. The child's away for, at, from school for a few days and so on, and the other kids notice that something happened. How much information would you share with the class in terms of? Oh, Cindy was away. We know that something happened. We can't tell you everything. You know, where, where do you draw the line in terms of sharing? Um, you know, an incident. Yeah, yeah that's an So again, it would depend on the age. Um, an older grade, you know, an older age, you might be more inclined to share if a bit of the details. But it would all have to be with the child's permission. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't be able to disclose anything without okay. the child and the parent's permission. Okay. Um, so if you if you have their permission, then you could use it. You're not again. You'd be worried if it's a teacher or someone at the school. You'd also be wanting to find out if there are other cases of abuse happening. So, you know, you've got to be very careful around that stuff, but you would always, as I said, you'd always have to get their permission. And if they aren't comfortable with it being shared, then... You can't share it. You know, you'd come up with some kind of line where you would just explain that uh, Claudia's having a difficult time or she's been a bit unwell or whatever it might be that could give the explanation. Okay, so we're taking calls. 86 I'm chatting to educational psychologists from the Family Life Center, Claudia Abelheim, and we're speaking about sex and discussing sex with your children. Um, have you had the talk with your child? Um, and how did it go? Um, if you haven't had the talk, what are you worried about? Um, because it is important for children to to know about sex. And with the you know with the age of social media and 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 the internet, kids will find stuff out. And rather they hear from you than they hear from you know the playground or the classroom. You know, you'd rather have your child use you as their as their source of of information regarding sex. So oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine. The hashtags on social media are Cyber Cindy, and the other hashtag is is KFM Talk. So Claudia, um, coming back to you as a mommy, so I'm going to ask you a few mommy questions. Mm-hmm. Um, how old are your children, and when did you give the talk? Okay, so I, I can't really answer those questions because I only have one. And okay. Only one. Okay. <laughs> so he's still a baby. Um, and I, I often, I really do laugh at myself because, as I said, even like calling his penis a penis, I even feel funny doing it, you know? Mm. I catch myself and I think, oh my God, here you are. 
to be telling all the parents out there to be having these conversations and what are you going to do when it comes to, <laughs> to your turn. So like, believe me, I'm, I'm well aware of how difficult this can be. And, and I only hope that when it's my turn, you know, when, it's, when it gets there, I'll be able to take my own advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't really say what I'm doing next because he's only one years old. But I do have friends that come to me and ask me questions about their little ones who are starting to get older. And it's interesting, you know, when it's a personal thing, um, it kind of gives you, you see, it's, it's hard. This is, and I, I don't pretend to parents that it's not. It is. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's, it can be embarrassing. And, and you're not going to get it 100% right 100% of the time. That's true. That's really important to remember that as long as you're trying... And as long as you're doing your best and, you know, not putting your head in the sand, I think we're already a step up from the generation before us. And hearing so many of your callers and so many of the messages are saying, my parents can talk to me, my parents can talk to me. So I really need one step ahead. Mm. And, and your experience with your parents, um, when was, when was do, your sex talk, if it happened? Sure. So I think my mom's listening, so I hope I don't get this wrong. Uh, I don't really remember to be honest, I remember that um, it was it was going to be offered at our school, which is what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of my work at Family Life Centre. We're going to the schools and we do sex talks with the kids. Uh, and I remember that in my standard at the time, in standard five, uh, the majority of the parents voted for us not to have the talk, um, which says something. Okay. The, the parents were against it, they didn't want us, they didn't want an external company coming in to talk to us, and so it never happened. Um, but I don't remember my mom picking up on that. It could be, uh, maybe I blocked it out, maybe it never happened, I actually don't know, that I don't remember myself. Okay. Which also says something, I guess. I'm chatting to Claudia Abelheim. Um, she's an uh, educational psychologist from the Family Life Centre. We're talking sex. We're talking about sex discussions with your children. And I'm asking you the question, have you had the sex discussion with your child? And if you have, how was it? If you haven't done it, why not? Taking calls on 86 Hashtags on social media are side by Cindy and Kai FM Talk. And coming back to Claudia. Claudia, I want to find out from you. Sex education in schools, um, you know, it is important. But how do you think the curriculum for sex education should be structured. If you had a wish, if you, if you could like wave a wand and, 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 you know, and have a sex education curriculum for schools, what would it look like? Okay, so it's an interesting question because, I mean, I'm sure you know, there's, this curriculum is being introduced very soon. Um, and there was quite an outcry about it, uh, maybe a month ago or so. Um, you know, there was a big article in the Sunday Times that masturbation was going to be taught to the grade fours and yeah. parents were up in arms and how can we be teaching our kids about these things and there's been, a, you know, quite a quite a lot of controversy around the whole topic. Uh, personally, again, I mean, it's, it's surprising. I think it's fantastic. I it, it, It's been in the works for such a long time. I'm very excited that it's, that it's happening. What I think is more important than the content is that the teachers are properly trained. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the content, there are specific, you know, there are biological things that need to be covered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what really needs to be brought in, I mean, uh, after the last week or two weeks in our country, you know, topics around consent, 
around abuse, around uh, relationships, power dynamics. Mm. I hope that that's all included in the curriculum. So yes, we have to cover the biology of things, but we also need to be looking on a broader scale. We need to be looking at what relationships are about. We need to look at respect. We need to look at relationship skills. Um, you know, we've got to look at the bigger picture. It's not just about the plumbing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think we, you know, we we are so blessed. To, to have social media, I mean, social media has its has its um, good aspects in that we're learning and unlearning so many mm. things. We, 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 mm. We're beginning to understand what consent is, what coercion is, mm. and um, we have an opportunity to, to pass on these lessons to our children. Mm. Um, because I know that in the past, it's only now, you, you know, when you look as an older person, you're able to look back and look at situations, now that we know the definitions of things, mm. and think to yourself, oh my gosh, in that situation... I may actually have, you know, been coerced into doing something that I didn't yeah. want to do. But at exactly. the time, it didn't feel like it. Yeah. But now that we know what words mean, yeah. we understand exactly. things better. And that's why, I mean, that's why the language we use is so important, right? It's like, you know, giving our kids words and, and language to, to actually explain what's going on. So before, if you don't have the words, you can't, you can't articulate exactly what you're saying. So the more, the better. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, and um, you know, I mean, obviously, with the sex talk comes the talk about um, um pregnancy, and obviously, before pregnancy, pregnancy, we speak about contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that twelve year olds can access um, um contraception from from clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, if a parent is concerned that they that their child, you know, may be sexually active. And th- do you believe that it's okay to, to, to take a child to a clinic and, and force them to, to start contraception without actually discussing, you know, anything with them? Because this is something that parents have done in the past. I know that there's some parents and caregivers that still do that now. And personally, Mina Cindy, as a doctor, I feel that that's a violation of the child's rights. Mm. Sorry, is it, are you asking me if it's okay to force them to use contraception? Well, look, there, there are people that do that, and I don't think it's okay. I want to know what your thoughts about it, and what, and what is a better way to approach, you know, intro, the introduction of, of contraception to, to, a, to, a, to a girl child? Well, I mean, I'd be interested to see how they force them to use contraception. Um, I think that, again, it all has to come from conversations. And if, if your girl child is sexually active, you've got to be talking to her about the importance of contraception and the consequences of not using contraception. And I don't know. I mean, I'd hope that, that children would, and children, mm. people who are being sexually active would would understand and want to protect themselves against that. But at the end of the day, exactly as you say, it's a violation, uh, violation of their rights. So they have to, have to be their decision. Mm. That's true. Taking calls on 86 Um If you've just joined us, you're listening to Cypart Cindy with me, um, Dr. Cindy Suefansel. I'm chatting to Clude Abelheim, an educational psychologist from the Family Life Center. And we're speaking about um, discussing sex with children. Um, if you've missed most of the show, not to worry. You can catch the podcast on FM Rewind. Go to kifm.co.za, click on FM Rewind and click on, on, on Sidebar Cindy and you'll be able to catch this conversation that I've had with Claudia. Great conversation, an important conversation because we do need to speak to our children about sex. Um, and the other question that I had for, for um, Claudia is when you do decide to give the talk, Claudia, um, what, where's the best place to do it? What's, what's the correct, well, not correct, what's the ideal setting for this serious talk? 
Sure. You know, but I think what I really want to get across is that it isn't, I don't, I don't want it to be one big talk. Okay, but, okay, okay. So I don't, you know, I don't want parents, and I think that that's maybe what puts so much pressure on parents, is that they see it as this one big talk that we're going to have. And I have one opportunity to get this right and one opportunity to get all this information across. And if I mess it up, I'm messing my kids up forever. Mm. It really, it does. It puts so much pressure on them. And, and, you know, you said that if I had a magic wand, if I had a magic wand, I would be getting all the parents to be talking about this all the time. So it's in the car on the way to school. It's in the... You know, it's at the dinner table. It's when you're sitting having lunch with your kids at a restaurant and you see uh, a gay couple at the table next to you. That's the perfect time to bring it up. Mm. To ask them, what are they seeing? What do they know? What do they think? It's not continuous conversations that we should be having all the time. You're driving on the highway. I mean, how many times do you drive on the highway you see these big billboards advertising... I don't know what the correct term for them is now, but they, you know, adverts for strip clubs, adverts for escort agencies. Mm. Talk, bring it up, talk to them, ask them, what do you think about that? What do you think about women in a strip club taking their clothes off for money? These are continuous conversations. The correct space is every space. The correct mm. place is wherever you are. If the, you know, if it's an environment of just talking. And if there is going to be one big conversation, then I'd say the right place is wherever your child is comfortable. So mm. if it is, I mean, very often, and parents tell me this all the time, that the, the car is the best place. Because they can't run away. <laughs> they can't run away. But there's also something about not having to have direct eye contact that the kids really like. Mm. Um, so often kids feel most comfortable in the car because they can, you know, parents are looking at the road. They're not like staring at them in, in the eye. Uh, so there's some, there's some kind of distance that, that can happen in the car. So I know a lot of parents love the car. I know, I know kids love the car. Um, and if that, if that works, if, if that's where you have your best conversations, do it in the car. If it's maybe while you're walking the dog, it, it, it seems to be that it's, it's mostly when there's another activity happening. Mm. Works really well, you know, so instead of kind of sitting your child down on the couch or sitting down at the dining room table, it's a nice thing to do when you're doing something else. So, like I said, if it's walking the dog or driving the garden or whatever it may be, um, so that there's, you know, there's a little bit of distraction happening. Okay. Claudia Abelheim, educational psychologist from the Family Life Center, chatting to me, um, chatting to us about sex and having the talk with children. We have Nontobego calling us from Joburg. Um, hi, Nontobego, and welcome to the show. Hi, Nontobego. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. I wanted to comment on the issue about those pa- those uh, parents who are taking their uh, children to the family planning mm. without their consent. Well, I was one of those. Um, well, I was living with my sister and my grandmother. So due to our situation, you know, we grew up uh, very poor. And uh, when my sister started uh, puberty, like she had friends. And uh, I thought that, you know, when she starts, you know, dating and acting, she looks at and that is how dressed to the to the clinic. And believe me, she never we never dis- I did discuss with her about what is uh, dating and sex and everything. But the thing is, she was so afraid of me, like so much respect that we never discuss you know discuss you know sexual issues with her. She was 
she was afraid to talk to me about all those things, even though I discussed everything about her. So being afraid that she, she may not tell me when she starts dating, I drag her to the clinic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got her uh, 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 to uh, start family planning, and uh, I was controlling a cat and everything. And believe me, she had a child when she was 28, and now she was working. She decided that, no, now she wants to have a child. You know, she was in a steady relationship. And still then, she didn't discuss with me. I only heard about my mother that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. She never told me. At the age of 28, she never told me that, you know, this, 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 I'm, I'm pregnant. Only my mother told me, and she was six months by then. And I was like, but why didn't you tell me that you were, you know, you wanted to have a baby? And she was like, oh, you know, you're so difficult to confront. So I don't blame those, you know, sometimes you can discuss and everything, but, you know, you never trust that, you know, when they start dating and everything, they'll come to you and discuss about it with you. So I don't blame them for taking their children to uh, to the family family because, yeah, I did it, but it worked well with my sister because now she was wiser when she had a baby and she was working with everything. Okay, but do you, do you accept Nuntobego Guti? That's not the ideal way to do things, and that is a violation of the child's rights, right? I understand, but you know what? She told me. She did. She told me that, you know what? I was never going to tell you that I was dating because, you know what? I was so afraid to talk to you about that thing. Okay. You know, so sometimes we do discuss, but yeah, they don't come back to us and discuss about the thing. Okay, well, that's Nuntobego calling us from Joburg and sharing her experience with her sister and contraception. Okay. Thank you so much yes. for the call, Nuntobego. Thank you. Bye. So, Claudia, I'm glad that Nuntobego called because at least yeah, you heard a first-hand, um, mm. you know, a first-hand about what, what I mentioned about, yeah. you know, forcing young girls to, to start contraception. Well, Claudia, I don't know what do you think because it's, it's a tough one. It's like going to be at the age of 12 sexually active. Sometimes, you know, at the age of 12, their brains actually are not developed enough to understand a lot of things. So there's a reason that we have legal age of consent. Unfortunately, it doesn't always apply and it's not always adhered to. Mm. So, I mean, on the one hand, I do absolutely agree with you. It's a complete violation of the child's life. But on the other hand, you know, if they're not old enough to fully understand what the long-term consequences can be, isn't, our, isn't it our job as parents to provide that protection for them? Yeah, no, well, I still feel, I mean, given the side effects that contraception has and, and you know, there's, there's a whole other talk that needs to be had around contraception, mm. but I, I feel that, mm. you know, the best thing still is to sit sit our kids down, have the sex talk, explain why it's I important for, for, the, you know, for them to, to understand the consequences of, 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 of early yeah, sexual debut and so on. It can't be done without that. Yeah. You know, I think that the conversation and talking about it and being open about it and educating and informing, that all has to be, you know, that goes without saying. That's number one and that's, it's got to, it's got to happen. And I think that if that does happen, the child's going to be much more inclined to be open with their parents and to talk about it and to find other ways. Mm. So, Claudia, I'm just speaking about, you know, the di- digital age. Our kids have access to the internet, they have access to social media. Um, so, what do you do when you find out that your, your child has been um, watching pornography? You know, what, 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 what would your approach be? 
in such a situation. A whole, this, this also can be a whole other topic for discussion. And we'll have you back for that topic, but just a little, <laughs> some nuggets for parents that might be listening or caregivers who find themselves in that situation right now. Yeah. Look, I think, you know, this is another very, very difficult topic and it's another thing that I, I, I think I shock parents all the time when I tell them that kids from as young as nine or ten are already starting to be exposed to pornography. Um, it's just, you know, you said that there are a lot of benefits to social media. There are also a lot of uh, disadvantages. Mm. Um, smartphones, social media, what it's done is it's, it's enabled our kids to, to have access to information that they, shouldn't, that they really shouldn't have access to. So parents really need to understand that, that their kids are being exposed to pornography, whether it's by choice or not. Um, and the conversation around that really needs to be around educating them on the, you know, the, the fact that pornography is not real, it's a complete money-making industry, and that's what, you know, when we go into schools and we talk to kids about this, this is, the approach that we take is that we really try and get them to understand that what they're seeing is not real. Because the danger with all of this is that it's going to, it completely skews and messes up the expectations of what sex really is. Mm. Right? So that's the danger. They're seeing all these things, whether it's, you know, videos or pictures or whatever it is on their phones, and now they start thinking that this is what, this is what sex looks like. So this is why it's even more important now for parents to be talking to their kids. They need to be explaining to them that what they're seeing is not real. And coupled with that, they have to be explaining to them what is real. Mm. You know, you can't just come in and say, well, that's not what it looks like. Because what is your child going to say to you? Well, what does it look like, mom? And you've got to be willing to have that conversation because actually it's protecting your child. If you maybe look at it that way, you're actually protecting your child and saving your child um, from the dangers that too much exposure to pornography can create. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Claudia. Um, you know, we'll definitely have you back on the show. Um, I've enjoyed chatting to you. Um, education psychologist. You. Yeah, I've loved it too. Thank you for having me. From the Family Life Center. And if we're looking for you online, Claudia, where can we find you? So you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, and you can find us online. It's all under the Family Life Center. Okay, great um, stuff. It's our website is just and our, fa- our Facebook and Instagram is if they search the Family Life Center, that's where we'll be. And we're constantly posting, you know, really interesting articles and interesting talks around all of the subjects. So please come follow us and, and you'll get access to good Thank information. You so. Thank you so much. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. On Kaya FM 95.9. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.